0: I was always one of those kids that always wanted to find the next investment. So as a kid, I would go out and find things to invest in, like baseball cards, basketball cards, Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh cards back in the 90s. You know, those were the hottest thing. And, you know, as a kid, I was always looking for the next hustle because I would literally resell these cards. And it was great to make some money and make me feel so good. Welcome to the Millennials of Money podcast. The podcast dedicated to encourage millennials to make wise decisions with their money. We find some of the best ways to learn is through stories. So each week, your host and financial professional, Payne Boyer, invites a millennial guest on the show to share the money story. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the show.
1: Hey, what's going on, y'all? Welcome to another episode of the Millennials and Money podcast. And I'm here with a dear friend of mine, a guest, and a professional colleague of mine, Mr. Sherman Seth Owen. I call him Seth. Say hello, Seth.
0: Hey, what's going on Peyton and the crowd? How's it going out there?
1: I'm doing good, man. I'm going to allow you here in a second to introduce yourself, Seth, but first let me share how you and I originally know each other. Now, Seth, you were referred to me by another client of mine, a friend of yours, and you came in the office and we kind of sat down, we kind of hit it off right off the bat, and you just became a client uh, throughout that process. You had already had some experience investing, but I was focusing more on the financial planning when working with you. Uh, from there, uh, you and I just actually got close. I invite you to my Bible study. You've been coming consistently, man. We've been learning more about God together. We've got a chance to go on a few hikes together. We've kicked it a few times. Mm-hmm. We had a trivia night. Mm-hmm. We we almost took the title down. So it's been about a year now that you and I have been, yeah, just a year in August since you, you and I have known each other. You've been a great client of mine and a great friend and brother, man. So that's as far as you and I go back. Why don't you introduce yourself, share with the audience a little bit about who you are and what you do for a living.
0: Yeah, you know, as you said, of course, my name is uh, Seth. And I actually moved here last year from Fresno, California. And what a great move it's been. Sacramento is a wonderful place to be. Um, you know, I was really working with uh, Enterprise before I was working with this company I'm in now. Enterprise is a great company overall, wonderful experience uh, working in management over there. Shout out to that company. Um, but really, uh, I was also working in the Army National Guard at the same time. So I have plenty of different backgrounds in my life of doing the Army, working that job, learning leadership skills in that departments and I worked my way up to the rank of sergeant so I was able to lead soldiers and train them on certain vehicles as a master driver for my units. So wonderful experience overall enterprise is great leadership wise learned so many great skills with them. and so now this leads me to my group my new job that I'm in now I've been in for four months with this company called Haggerty Insurance. And we are a very niche insurance company where we insure classic cars as well as your modern classics. So you're looking at the 80s, 90s, 2000s and newer. And we also do those motorsport cars like you see out there, those Lamborghinis, the Ferraris, the Corvettes. So really, man, we can really find insurance for those types of vehicles because a lot of folks out there really don't know where to go. And I always say, you know, Haggerty is really not a car insurance company. We are a car enthusiast company. So uh, really we dig into bringing clients on that love their cars, love the car culture. And I say, I have the best job in the world. I get to go to car shows and get paid for it. So it's a fun job for me, I love it. Um, I run a territory from Sacramento all the way down to Visalia. So it's been a wonderful experience and I'm happy to be here.
1: That's good, man. I'm excited to hear more about your career, Haggerty. We're going to get there. But, you know, this show is all about money and people's money story. And I find, you know, through my experience and through my life and the life of my clients, the kind of cornerstones and foundations get put in place uh, in childhood. Of course, they can always be changed and pivoted around the way, but after that, initial foundation gets put in place. So let's go back there. Uh, Talk about what was money like for you and your household growing up in Fresno?
0: Oh, going back to my childhood, right? So uh, let's uh, go back a little bit with the money situation in my family. Um, I was raised by a single mom my whole life. And, you know, money wasn't tight, but we weren't the richest family in the world. It was more of a middle class growing up uh, situation where, you know, money was tight. We couldn't really do too much. But I was always one of those kids that always wanted to find the next investment. So as a kid, I would go out and find things to invest in, like baseball cards, basketball cards, Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh cards. Back in the 90s, you know, those were the hottest thing. And, you know, as a kid, I was always looking for the next hustle because I would literally resell these cards. And it was great to make some money and make me feel so good. And I remember at the age of 12, I got my first, like, sales job, door-to-door sales job, and I was, like, selling these bottles of, I forget what it was, like, fruit juice or something back in the day, door-to-door selling, and I had never heard so many no's in my life as a kid, and I think that was my first experience in sales, and it was really harsh. Uh, But, you know, as a kid growing up, I was always looking to make money to help support my mom, and kind of help out around the house and be like that uh, dad figure, I guess, for myself.
1: I like that, man. That explains a lot about your character, you know, because I know you more than our audience does. It explains like that investing at a young age, man. I'm starting to learn a little more about you, Seth. I'm glad you shared that, man. And I like the fact that, man, you're a hustler, dude. Going out door to door. No one says, you know, I got my first job at 12. No one in California says that, so you've always had that drive. So talking about what that drive did for you, kind of those early adult years, not necessarily completely independent, maybe those uh, college years during that time, talk about what was like taking that drive out of your mom's house and to go to beginning to build a life for yourself. what did you do after you left your mom's house?
0: Yeah, I mean, the first thing I did was join the army. (laughs) So I joined the Army National Guard at 17 years old and went straight to basic training out of there at uh, Fort Sill, Oklahoma. And I was, you know, nicely enough, I was collecting a paycheck while I was 17, 18 years old, where if I didn't join the military, I wouldn't collect that kind of paycheck. I would have been working two or three jobs just to collect that amount. So I had the privilege of going to the military and going through the process and really the moving out of my mom's house wasn't a struggle for me because I had that and I was working a part-time job at Foot Locker. That was my first job when I was 16. So I had continued to do that job because in the Army National Guard, that's only a part-time job on the side, like a side hustle, whereas you have to have a full-time job to support yourself. So I was working at Foot Locker as well as being the Army National Guard. So of course, money wasn't Prevalent enough, there wasn't enough out there for me to just do whatever I wanted to. So I really had to learn in college how to save money, and this was a really big turning point for me when I was living on my own because I really had to figure out, okay, what does my financial plan look like? How much money can I spend? How much money am I making? So that's really what life after moving out was was just kind of making sure I had money to save, and I had always been like a frugal person. Always a frugal person, I, I never really wanted to spend money, and people kind of hated me for that. I was always <laughs> looked down for that. I got a pause like, oh, there. The cheap guy. <laughs> I got a pause there because so check it
1: out. audience. when Seth says frugal, a lot of people say frugal, but this brother Seth is really good. Is really really frugal. He mm-hmm. he makes good money, but Seth will still go Dutch on a date if he has to. So, so mm-hmm. Seth is Seth, Seth is really. Wise when it comes to spending, he he lives within his means, and that's something I really respect about you, Seth. So, talk to me a little bit about what kind of gave you that mindset. I know things were kind of tight growing up, but talk about what were those college years like, what, what, why do you think there's so many college students who get into college and they get into debt and they just live their life? But you know, you worked straight through at age 16 at Foot Locker, joined the military off the bat, kept. kept Why do you think, what gave you that mindset of, you know, having to have money and realizing that money was, was a necessity?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think for everybody, money, of course, is a necessity, but really for me, it was more about the, the fear of being in poverty. I never wanted to see myself in poverty. And if I had a, situation happened where i couldn't work anymore I just wanted to have some money to back me up for a little bit just in case um so I was always worried about money in that aspect and wanted to make sure I had some reserves on file just in case
1: I, I like that man you you're, you're wise behind your ears you really are so like so, i gotta pause here and let you guys know Seth is seven foot Seth, Seth is seven foot tall <laughs> So that oh, the, the, yeah. <laughs>
0: we had to let them know, huh?
1: Yeah, right. They had to because they can't see you. They got they gotta hear it. They gotta hear the tallness. But talk to us about um you played some basketball, you played some college basketball, and I, I think you went on to Fresno State from there. Talk to us about oh you didn't. Go ahead. Go ahead. You you share, you share with me.
0: Yeah, no. So I really played basketball throughout my high school years and it was great and everything. It was fun. I never had a passion for it. I really never had a passion for it. So I uh, went to school over at COS, which is a community college in Visalia, um, after I got back from my military training. And, you know, of course, the coaches wanted me to play so bad <laughs> at that community college. And I was like, no, nah, I can't play man. I'm just, I'm not into it, man. I don't have a passion for it. I don't want to waste your time. I don't want to waste my time. And so really, um, after high school, I knew what I wanted. I wanted to be in business. I wanted to be in either finance or marketing or something in business oriented. I wanted to be the owner of the team, not the player, you know? Like so it. you have that different mindset of like, do you want to be the owner or do you want to be the player? I'm not saying anything bad about all the players, but like you just have different mindsets. You want a player, you want to be the owner. Um, or you have the business mindset. So for me, it was more so, I just didn't want to continue with it because I didn't have the drive or the passion for it. And I didn't enjoy it. So really, that's what took me. And I told him no. Uh, went to Fresno State for a couple of years. Graduated from there, of course, as well. Go Dogs! Woof woof. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the coach uh, there asked me to play as well. The same thing. And I had to turn him down because I was like, Nah, coach, I can't. I don't want to do it. Don't want to do it.
1: Yeah. So you pledged in a business fraternity. Talking about what the business fraternity is and tell me what that was like.
0: Yeah, so the business fraternity I was in at Fresno State was Delta Sigma Pi. And really, it's been so long, honestly, since uh, I've been a part of that. But, you know, it was great learning how to manage my time and really learn how to be growth-oriented and learn how to public speak. There were so many different skills to learn, and I made so many good friends in that fraternity, fraternity as well and learned to network and made a lot of good networking connections through that fraternity. And ever since then, I've always been one to be in a crowd, networking, talking to people, making sure that I put myself out there to be the best person that I can be, along with learning. So I want to learn every single day. If I'm not learning, I'm just being stagnant. That's just kind of how life is. So during my time with the fraternity, I've learned all this and they were able to help me grow and helped me in school as well, you know, bless them for sure, because I wouldn't have really had the chance to graduate without them. They helped me so much with my studying and my uh, and uh, my homework and everything and for tests. So they were really able to help me out with that portion, but definitely love the camaraderie that helped me with throughout that organization.
1: I like that, man. You know, I always I I was like fraternities and the kind of brotherhood, you know, you can go anywhere in the country for the most part and for having a natural network or a natural market of people that are going to have some kind of commonality with you because of your, because of the fraternity. So I think that's cool. And I also like the fact that they, you know, they helped you graduate. They helped you focus on what you need to focus on. You can't just be kicking it every day with those guys. You got to, Hey, you're here, you're here for a period of time. You're not here to stay. You don't want to be one of those professional college students, man.
0: We had some fun, too, though. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> we had some fun. Yeah, I
1: bet, man. But there's kids listening, so we won't, we're we not going to go there. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: no, I'm just joking, man. But um, So talk to me about, you know, it sounds like you've had a juggling act kind of your whole life, you know, working, military, school. How are you able to balance that and still enjoy your life at the same time? You know me, I always say plan- the purpose of financial planning is being able to enjoy your life now while you track towards the future. So how are you able to balance your time in a way where you're able to do both?
0: Yeah, that's a great question, man. I've always been the busy type. I've always stayed busy and I've always had a crazy schedule, but really what it comes down to is of course, time management, making sure that you schedule everything ahead of time. So every week I will put out a, a planner. I don't like to plan too far in advance because plans always change. But every week I put out a planner say, I'm going to do this at this time, this at this time, this at this time, this at this time. And I don't know, I guess over time, as an adult, you kind of just learn how to manage your time uh, more efficiently. And, you know, really find out what's more important to you for your time. Because, you know, as we know, time is really short on this, you know, on this planet. So you want to make sure to make the most of your time. And so I'm able to really focus on my work and also have a social side outside of work and be able to travel and do things outside of work by pre-planning and pre-scheduling. So, I mean, that's really what it takes is just time management, man. It just takes time to get that skill down.
1: Yeah, time management for me and what I've found when it comes to time management is putting something on the calendar makes a big difference. In, like yes. otherwise it's something you'd like to do. But when it's on the calendar, it's more like this is something I'm gonna do. And I I kind of calendar my day dad into like two hour blocks, like, hey, you know, I blocked out this amount of time so I know exactly what I'm about to do. And I don't let anything take that space. Like it's even when I share my calendar, my calendar with others, it just says I'm in a meeting. Even if the, even if it's just hanging out mm-hmm. with my kids, I block that time out. Cause otherwise, it's something else that's gonna take priority above it. So you had to be intentional on in blocking your time out. And it kind of sounds like that's what you said you've been doing since way back, way yeah, back good. when. Yeah. So when we met Seth, you were at Enterprise. Talk to me about how you ended up there, what that experience was like there. Some of your job duties. I met some of your coworkers. You guys seem like to have a again that same kind of brotherhood bond. So talk to <laughs> me about that.
0: Yeah, man, everybody at uh, Enterprise has an A-type personality, man. Definitely outgoing, definitely a fun crowd to be around. You know, I started with them back in 2016 after I graduated college. Became, uh, well, before that, I'm sorry, I'll go back a little bit further. 2015, I started with them as an intern with their car share program at Fresno State. And, you know, I did so well with that program, marketing it from the ground up, getting clients to sign up for it. I got to pause and you. got to pause really, Yes, sir. Go ahead. Yeah. I know you got to go
1: give credit back to that door-to-door bottle sale, man. That door-to-door. Oh, heck yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. It does help, man. Like walking up to people and you don't know who they are and they just, you just start a conversation. For some people, that's not easy. It's not an easy thing. And sometimes you just got to put yourself in that position to go door to door and just talk to people as a metaphor, just do it. And that way you can get better. But um, going back to my story with enterprise, after I graduated college, I went straight to work with them as a manager in training. You know, I definitely learned a lot and I built some tough skin in that job. You know, it's not the, it wasn't the easiest job and it was grind. But you know what, man? I learned a lot, and I definitely have to give them credit for it, that I had a, a wonderful experience overall, and the people that worked there are so awesome, made a lot of good friends in it, and they really taught you how to run a business, because after being a manager and trainee, I became an assistant manager, which uh, you know then led me to how to run a business. I had great mentors in that company. And they were able to teach me how to run a business, how to look at the business statements, you know, what's important in the business and how to say no to people sometimes. So I really learned a lot in that company where I had to develop my leadership skills, my time management skills, and how to train employees as well. So I was able to mentor employees at enterprise while being there and uh, being a part of that job.
1: Uh, thanks, man. I'm glad you shared that. Kind of leads into another question. I, I didn't plan on asking, but it came up as you were sharing that, you know, because you're you're a relatively young guy at this point a Enterprise, but you're managing, like, you're having responsibility over others, which is, which can be intimidating for a lot of people. But I don't know if you can credit that to some of your service in the military, because I've met a lot of young guys who come out of the military and they kind of have an adult. They have a taste of being an adult, of being a manager. Because they might be only 26 years old, but they're older of 18-year-olds and 19-year-olds. Would you, Can you talk about the time of the military and how it's helped you in your career as a professional?
0: Yeah, so the military helped really build the foundation of who I am today. <clears throat> they built me the foundation of how to be self-sufficient. And taught me how to do a lot of other things like have respect for your elders. <laughs> it's important. How to have integrity, how to lead people, <clears throat> how to really deal with stressful situations in those stressful times. Cause in the military, you know, if someone's shooting at you, you can't just panic. You gotta be able to manage your thoughts and be able to react in a in a good manner, right? Or more efficient manner. So the military taught me all these things and, you know, going through basic training and all that, it wasn't, it was not the easiest thing to do. I'll tell you a story, man. I actually had pneumonia for six months when I was in going through basic training. Yeah, it was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. And I unfortunately had a lung collapse and went through the whole surgery and I'm not diving too deep into this, but you know, it, it taught me that life is too short for one, because it was a very deathly, possibly near-death situation, and that I need to take every day or action every day of my life and to make sure that I'm making the most out of every single day. So that's really another thing that came from the military was that situation as well. Granted, it was a terrible situation, of course, but I learned from it.
1: God, man, like one reoccurring theme I'm seeing from your story from when you're selling bottles door to door. You got your first job at 12. From when you were at Enterprise, when you're in the middle at the same time, and it's just a story of continued growth. And you know, and I and I've learned that about you. as We've worked together. As I've seen you your um, your net worth grow. You know your investment profile continue to grow. Your experience, your knowledge grow. And now your now your career is continuing to grow. So talk about the, the um, transition from Enterprise, a great company where you were comfortable. You were making good money, but you decided to kind of go go out on a ledge and take some try something that sounded fun, that was new, that had a good earning potential, but you, it was new, and you, you left a comfort zone to try that. Talk about that transition, the thought process around that, and then we're getting to dive into what your life is like now.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So definitely the transition, it was really like ripping off a Band-Aid. It was scary at first. It was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm going into the unknown." But luckily, you know, the transition was for,
1: for, for the audience. Share how you found this, how you even got this opportunity, how you found this company from enterprise, and why you, why you even began looking for the opportunities.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, great question. Uh, you know, during COVID, unfortunately, a lot of opportunities with my you know previous company wasn't there for me. So I decided to take a new path and try something new. I just wanted to, you know, find some more challenges and do something different with my, with my life. Cause I felt like I was very uh, stagnant and not really pushing myself forward personally. So that's really what took me to find another job. <laughs> and with Haggerty, it's, you know the transition has been so easy and painless. They've helped me every step of the way. I had to get my property and casualty insurance license, had to do the state test for that. That was not easy. That was a really hard test. Dude, I studied for like two weeks, night and day. I had coffee by my side like for 24 hours a day. So that was a 100-question test, man. It was so difficult. I almost cried when I saw I passed it the first time. I was like, oh, my God, because, of course, I hear a lot of people do not pass this test the first time. So for myself, you know, I've always been really hard on myself saying, oh, I'm not gonna do it, I'm not gonna do it, but uh, I did it, so you know, there's that. And since joining the company, they're so about self-growth and self-improvement that I have changed as a person overall because of them, and I really have to give them credit for that. They're always like, hey, what do you wanna do next? Like right now, they're pushing me to get better at public speaking, and you know, I never was a good public speaker. So with that, they're training me. They have a coach for me. They're teaching me how to be a better public speaker because a lot of my job is giving presentations to insurance agents, sometimes 20 of them, 30 of them at a time. So since then, it's been a wonderful experience overall, and they've taught me a lot. I've learned a lot about the insurance world. It's, it's, it's The insurance world is crazy. It's a different world for mm-hmm. sure. It's wonderful. I love it. I enjoy it so much. And uh, I think the hardest transition for me was working from home because I've always been working at an office, right? Always working at an office with people, customers, face-to-face. So I think that was the hardest transition for me. So prior,
1: because you came on during the midst of COVID. So prior to COVID, was your position in an office, or was it always a kind of remote position?
0: You said prior to COVID?
1: Yeah. Before, even though you weren't with the company, was this, this, the, with the position you're in at Harity, was that always a remote position, or did it? They... Yeah,
0: yeah. So it's it's always remote. So my job is always going to be remote. Our only corporate offices are in Boulder, Colorado, and Charleroi City, Michigan.
1: Okay, so let's let's talk about the kind of people you get to meet in your career, because you know Harity. I've heard of Harity. You should Harity with me. the. the Listen, I this this is not your regular insurance company. I'm not knocking any insurance company out there, but these guys insure cars for guys like Seinfeld, Jay Leno, movie stars, NBA players. So, what's it been like dealing with these with this this class of people? What has that been like for you?
0: It's been different for sure. I've had to really adjust my thought process and the way I present myself to people. You know, these folks. I'm not going to say they don't, they, they definitely value their time. So you have to be, make sure that anything you do with them is worth their time. So I don't want to go to a meeting with a you know client that's a high network client and show up and just say, Hey, what's up? How's it going, bro? You know, you can't just do that. You have to present like a, a certain value to that client. You know, as you know, Peyton, you got to make sure that your clients are showing value to them and you're giving them some sort of value every single time you guys meet. So that's the same thing with me. Um, I work with a lot of agencies around the area too, uh, around the Sacramento area, Central Valley area, and same thing. I want to make sure that I'm bringing value to them, but at the same time, I'm going to ask them questions so I can learn about the industry from them.
1: Yeah, man, and that's really cool, man. I know you're going to get a chance to be on a golf course possibly with – with, with one of the guys I look up to, Jerry Seinfeld. I'm a big Seinfeld fan, people. Um, but you, you, I'm so glad you get the opportunity to do this and meet these kind of people because you are who you're around. That's just the the law of numbers, man, you hang around people like that. It's gonna rub off on you. You're gonna be more, more successful, hanging around successful people. And you said a really powerful thing there you know, you said, Dave, it's their time. Their time is literally valuable. And you want to make sure you're presenting value when, you, when you're when you meeting with these people. When you're dealing with clients like you and I deal with, we don't have the hurdle of the price. Like the price is not what the issue is. It's the value. We have to make sure that this value is being properly translated to the person sitting across from us. And so this means that we have to do our job and research and make sure that we know what this person needs and what this part, in my case, what this person is trying to achieve and how is my recommendation gonna provide a bridge from where they are to where they wanna be? And it's not just kind of just jumping in there. And that's just been my experience from working with people just like just like yours. So Seth, I know we'll get to your favorite part. I know you're excited about this part here. Let's talk about why you began investing. So you're one of my few clients who came to me with already an investing portfolio you already had experience in stocks. You, already, you, you, you were, you, you, were, I consider you an aggressive investor. So, in in my world, if you're owning individual stocks, you might feel like you know I'm owning regular companies like, like um like Google and Amazon. Yeah, those are strong companies, but still, it's still an aggressive portfolio because you're just investing in stock. Mm-hmm. So you came with me, came to me with uh, an existing stock portfolio. I never really talked about what how'd you get into that or what what's your experience been like? And so share with us, myself and the audience, how you began investing and what that journey's
0: been like for you. Yeah, definitely. I feel like the first time we met, we kind of had some beef back and forth about how to invest, right? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) If I remember correctly. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. Like, no, I know about this, man. I know about this. But um, no, so But really, the way I got started was back when I was 17, I had a neighbor who was a stockbroker out of the Bay Area back when I was living in Visalia, so he would commute crazy enough. But yeah, he really taught me my first time about how to invest in the stock market, because I was so curious about how it worked and how you do it. And so he was able to train me, you know, shout out to him. I forgot his name. Oh, my gosh. I'm so sorry. Whoever he is. (laughs) (laughs) That's one name of a (laughs) shout-out. I know. Sorry. Uh, Oh, Lauren is his name. Lauren. Oh, my gosh. There we go. Perfect. Shout-out to that guy. And he taught me a lot. But, you know, he really taught me how to invest in the stock market. When I was 17, he also told me to get into a Roth IRA or Roth IRA, you know, which is a retirement fund that I started when I was 18 years old. So my first stock that I invested in was Microsoft. I invested in that company, which was the first one. And after that, I was just hooked.
1: I gotta give the audience a disclaimer here. A lot of this stuff, this is Seth doing on his own. And so, so when it comes to <laughs> Seth and I, we kind of focus. It's my job to make sure Seth's retirement's on track. To make sure Seth's on track with his financial plan. I'm not advising <laughs> him or not to go buy individual stocks without guidance but this is a great way to accumulate wealth, which is something that Seth experienced. And one thing I want to make sure you guys take taken away that Seth is saying that he didn't use the word, but you can tell by his story is research. If you're looking to invest in anything, make sure you research. And I don't care if it's a stock market, if you're looking at a bond, if you're looking at some options or alternative investments, even a small business opportunity, make sure you research it before you invest. And there is potential growth, but you also got to make sure you keep the things that are important on track. And that's one thing that uh, Seth and I do is my job to make sure, Hey Seth, your retirement's on track, your savings on track, your emergency reserves are, are where they need to be. So it's okay for Seth to be aggressive the way he invests now. And Seth, you, you, your story has been awesome, man. Like You're you, you are, you're a great client to have. We sit down and talk. You're one of the clients that can really talk with him really, just really, just really enjoy your story. I really enjoy to see you grow, man. I didn't mean to cut you off there. I just had, I just wanted to make sure that my client, my listeners, knew I wasn't endorsing any of these investments. Like right off the bat, that's just for compliance yeah. reasons. Yeah. Seth, you know you've been an awesome. Guessing we're getting close to the end now. Um, your story oh. just been, your story just been really exciting, man. Like from growing up there in Fresno, growing up with you and your mom, single mother home then to go and sell and stuff door to door to door, door, join the military, doing your time there, going off to school, doing your time there, at the same time working in enterprise and just continuing to grow, man. So I'm really excited that I'm just along this journey with you, man, helping just help me you reach your financial goals. And that's what this podcast is all about. It's about financial goals and financial success. And, you know, you, you know me, you know, I'm more on the, philosophical side of finance so when it comes to financial success i don't think of it as a dollar amount or a net worth amount i think of it as a quality of life so i am gonna ask you like i asked all the guests on the show what do the words financial success mean to you what does that lifestyle look like to you i of course can always change but the thing is speaking from today's point of view what is the quality of what does the financial
0: successfully quality of life look like to you That's a great question, Peyton. So really what it looks like to me is that you really can have freedom of time. So freedom of time to do what you want with yourself, with your family, whatever the case may be. And over the past year, I really learned about giving back as well. So, you know, giving back, I read a really good book by Tony Robbins recently. Um, You know, the, the name of the book is totally slipping my mind at the moment, but you know, he talks a lot about giving back. So Financial success means to me about giving back to families who are in need, giving back to people who are in need, you know, making sure to donate to other people or other nonprofits. So it's really important, but really just having that freedom of time or quality of time and to be able to do whatever you want, when you want, um, and just having that reserve of money to help you out with that. That
1: That's awesome, man. it's just so awesome the fact that success to you is giving back. Like you must go to some, you must go to a good Bible
0: study. <laughs> I do, and I learn from the best, man. I learn from the best. Thank you.
1: <laughs> nah, man, you've been it's been a pleasure having you on, man. I um, you shared a lot. I'm sure so many people can learn from your story, because like a lot of people think you got to have it to make it. You got to already have it to be to make it. But you just lived a modern lifestyle, and continue to grow. Like you came from Fresno single mother home. Start working young, saving young, talk to your neighbor, talk, start investing young. Time is on your side. When you begin investing, listen, to listeners, I don't make a lot of guarantees on the show. I don't make a lot of guarantees at all. But when it but time is on your side when it comes to investing. The sooner you can begin investing wisely, the sooner you can reach success. And you can have a story just like Seth here. So, Seth, I'm so excited that you came on, man. I'm glad you shared. I'm excited about you doing. I'm excited about your growth that you're going to make. I'm I'm excited about you getting me a chance to meet Jerry Seinfeld, which is going to happen soon. Shout out to Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that, that's yeah, I, can, I, I don't know. I can't say. Who knows?
1: You're <laughs> on there somewhere,
0: right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's all we got for the show this week, guys. Again, thanks a lot, Seth, for reaching out and coming on the show. Listeners, I hope you enjoyed it, and God bless. You going to say bye?
0: (laughs) Oh, thanks a lot, Payton. I appreciate your time today, man. Thanks for having me on. It's been great. And I do have one last thing for the audience here, and it's really just to keep learning every day, be learning every day. You know, you have two wolves to feed in your body. Do you want to feed the one that stays stagnant or the one that keeps growing? I love
1: it. I love it, man. God bless.
0: Painboy Boy is a financial professional with Homes Financial of and Securities offered through Bertha Fisher & Company Financial Services, Inc. BFCFS member FINRA FIPC Homes Financial is independent of BFCFS.